Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive, high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. How do you know what true happiness is? How do you really know when you're happy? And do you know what conditions create what matters for you and gives you that feeling of having a positive impact in the world? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And my guest today is my longtime friend, Pam Richards. How you doing, Pam? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this. This will be a good one to have come holiday times because absolutely. Um, we all want to put ourselves in the best frame of mind. We all want to enjoy and 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 enjoy everything that's about the season. You know that, and it is the end of the year. And so as we go into the end of the year, I I always, I know you and I both practice the same thing. We spend some time reflecting on the year and seeing what mattered, what didn't, what worked, what didn't. And then what do we learn from just asking those four questions and putting it on a, you know, just a sheet of paper and actually writing it out. So I'm I'm hoping that by the end of this podcast that our listeners will all take a moment to really understand what makes them happy? Because I think there's, you know, with the rise of mental health issues and depression on the rise, um, and and it's just the end of the year where we see an a increase in depression in general. Asking those questions might help you avoid having a, as deep a depression or go into depression because you can take control over that one. Pam is known for her passion and people and facilitating positive change with anyone in need with an open mind. So I truly ask that you all come with an open mind today. She has uh, worked with large groups such as Philip 66 International uh, Conference and the Baxter Asia Pacific International Strategic Thinking Workshop in Shanghai. So, you know, she's a badass that's going on around the world. And I just love it. She's also a dare to lead uh, facilitator. Um, and also, she and I both have had um, conversational intelligence with Judith Glazer. So, all of that's going to come to fruition today to see how can we be our best selves. So, Pam, let's start with the first question. When when we think of positivity and being in positivity, I think the first question that comes up is, you know, this idea of toxic positivity. So what do you think toxic positivity is? And compare that to, compare, contrast, that to, what is it that we're talking about? Well, it's our our get rich quick scheme. It is the instant 
society that we have that to me is what I comes to mind with toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. It's that put on the smile, grin and bear it, just keep going. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And we don't get that moment to just kind of catch the breath and go, oh, I wasn't fine. And I wasn't okay. And be okay with that. And I think that's where we now guilt ourselves because we're in a job, we're moving ahead. And it's like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted, but I don't want to say anything because I don't want to be the odd man out. And we isolate ourselves. So to me, toxic positivity leads to isolation mm-hmm. where when you think about true positivity or happiness, it's shared. Mm-hmm. And it's gained through our connections with others, genuine connections with others. It is gained through our support and help of others. And I think that's one of the things for me that's really amazing is in the times, because you and I, we both lost moms in the past couple of years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's tough. And for me, in some of those tough times, it's like you could sit there and dwell on everything that's awful and bad. Or I can take a moment and go, I'm going to do one positive thing for a friend of mine who was also struggling. And I went outside and I picked a bouquet of flowers, nothing, not, nothing expensive, nothing didn't take me more than 30 minutes to pick, deliver and come back home. But I went and left her a note and left her flowers and mm-hmm. it made me feel good mm-hmm. and it made her feel good. And it created a connection at a time that we just both needed to just look at each other and go, hey. We're going to be okay. We are in such a inner driven mode, you know, and I, you know, the the fancy word everybody's tossing around is narcissism, which I don't really like using because that's a clinical term. And for the most part, what we're talking about is people who are trying to take care of themselves at the expense of somebody else or the perceived expense of somebody else. Because I, I, I really fundamentally don't believe anybody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be a jerk. It just doesn't happen. But I I do think that this idea of don't tell me your problems, I don't really care about them, not having deep enough relationships or trusting relationships that allow you to have those moments of, you know what, I'm just not feeling it right now. Keep us in the isolation that you're talking about. Well, and I was working with a group this last August. And there's a big push by the department. There's things going on. And the leader has the mindset that I have to be positive. I have to keep going because if Mm -hmm. I let down, it's going to let everybody else let down. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have this like positive focus constantly and push in this direction, then the people are going to lose focus and they're going to go, you know, down this other tank. And so there's part of it I get because as a manager, you need to be optimistic. You need to be the encourager and things. But at some point it crosses that line into that toxic positivity. And instead of connecting with the people going, I can tell you're exhausted. That must be hard. Like we have a week, let's get this through. We'll get you some time off or pull them together. Give them something that perks them at least, you know, a lunch or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, but instead mm-hmm. we just keep pushing that grind and the leader thinks I got to just keep pushing this, this envelope because this thing that we're accomplishing is so significant and it's so great, or it serves so many people, but the immediate people are getting fried and burnt in the process and quitting. And so that's kind of that, where's that line between being positive and actually taking the blinders off and saying, it's tough right now and, mm-hmm. and saying that's okay. We'll get through it, but 
at least recognizing some of the states and working with those states instead of trying to put the blind eye to it like it doesn't exist. As I think about this whole blind eye, the the outcome of that, this keeping the blinders on is this feeling of isolation. And I was looking at something and it says that, you know, one in three people feel isolated in the United States. It's, it, and just this feeling of loneliness. And, you know, one in five have depression and that number goes up because we're in the holidays in terms of it. And some of it is clinical, but a lot of it is just fe- this feeling of loneliness, this feeling of I can't communicate or connect with someone in a, in a real and genuine way. And, and that happens so much at work especially now that we're in this hybrid or hybrid or remote situation is that that way in which we used to have some connections has been eroded one because people are turning are leaving jobs faster uh, yep. than they are companies are either letting them go or people are um saying this you know I'm I'm hanging up this one and going to try another one over there the idea of remote and or hybrid um, but the other is, is that the news and the noise around us keeps us in a, pe- a, a just a mild, at least for me, I don't own my own stuff. If I watch too much of the news, what it does is keep me in this edginess of I can't trust. I can't trust to walk in my neighborhood. You know, I have to constantly be aware as a single woman, um, single black woman, no less, because there's just this air of you don't know who, you don't know what. And so you feel this kind of, I feel this kind of protection constantly just sitting in the forefront of my mind or the back of my mind every time I leave my house. And I think that drives us into more feelings of isolation. And I think that also couples with something that came up this last week is that a lot of people now forget their worth of who they are for who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're only what they accomplish because that's our connection. Like work mm-hmm. is a big portion of our identity. And so mm-hmm. when we feel isolated and we don't have these connections to other things, even outside of work and, and our productivity becomes a big one. And then we go, oh my God, like I'm not being productive. Like how do we create the extra connections that we need to move forward? So as an example, um, there's an administrator. She gets to the end of the day. She's got her emails done. She's so excited because she's been working late this night. She's going to get off and she's going to go home and she's going to have that great dinner with her family. Mm-hmm. And then 15, 20 minutes before she goes out the door, the boss shoots her an email and says, Hey, I need this tomorrow. And her first thought isn't, well, do you need it tomorrow morning? Or can I get the team together tomorrow? Like we don't go there. The instant thought is like, Oh my God, I got to do this. So then she shoots an email to all these people about the information that she's going to need. She stays 20 minutes late at work. Now she's now late to dinner. She didn't get to have that dinner. Mm -hmm. And it's because of this compulsion to be something by what we do and not learn how to just be. And and not that that was selfish to say, hey, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm still going to make it home. And and we Mm -hmm. don't because we've, we put our own blinders on about the possibility of asking and especially in the hybrid situation, maybe the boss isn't next door and I don't just peek my head and say, hey, you sent me that email. We don't think about calling mm-hmm. on the phone. We don't mm-hmm. we don't think about sending the email back now. It's like, oh, God, like they need that. Like, OK, I've got to do this. And so it's, yeah. it's, it's that that shift that we have to 
I want to say do extra work now to make those connections and be mindful of if something happens, I might have to reach out. I'm not going to be able to just to accidentally bump into them across the cubicle this time. I'm going to have to make that connection about whatever that is. And I think the other part is we have to watch the stories. So in that example, that person tells the story in her head, oh, they need it tomorrow. And we respond. And as right. you both know from Brene, those are really bad drafts. You know, what's the first thing that we create in our head? We don't know. We don't have an informed decision. So we need to ask questions. I mean, that to me is interesting because, you know, me, I have books on my shelves. So some of the latest. Well, wait, before you go on, just let everybody knows. Um, this really bad draft is a phrase that is actually not the right phrase, but it is a <laughs> phrase. <laughs> actually, I'll just call uh, it Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah. Brene normally says shitty first draft is what she yes. says. Thank you for being kind to my listeners here. But basically, it's the generally what we do first is not what we end up with. It is not the thought we should end up with. But too often, if we put it on paper, we will edit it. But if we're thinking it, we don't often edit to confirm that what we're thinking or what we're about to choose is actually the right thing. So think of it as an automatic response. And that automatic response oftentimes is a bad draft of what you should do. It's the first things that come out of your head and that's a, I wanted to make sure people understood what you meant when you said the bad draft. Oh, and that's great because I think the other part of that that you kind of unpack is the fact that we as humans are mm-hmm. wired to be more critical and negative. Mm-hmm. Why? Survival. Mm-hmm. And it works against us, mm-hmm. right? Because if my first reaction to the first thing you tell me is on the negative protective side, mm-hmm. I'm going to interpret it with the wrong lens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to respond to it the wrong lens. And then we're going to create this negative pattern of interaction as a result. That what you just said is really good because I, it ta- brought me up on a friend, a, a, a friend colleague. Now she's a, she's been a client. Now she's a friend. One of the things I had to help her with is because when, when she said, you know, well, no, no, I'm not being negative. I'm just analyzing the situation. And and I think a lot of people say, oh, wait a minute, I'm pulling this apart. It's an analysis. But if you dig deeper in that analysis, you'll notice that what you're thinking is the extremes. What's the worst case? And that's what comes from the protective part. So let's not, I want to make sure people don't get fooled with these terms that we keep tossing around because we, everybody does this. The first thing, it, because it's image, it's not always because we think our life is in trouble, but we want to always show up as this person who we've designed in our head to be mm-hmm. and to interact with the person. So if you think you're a snappy person or a happy person, you know, the first thing you're going to do is, oh my goodness, how do I make this person happy? Which is a fear response it, um, because I don't want to lose my self image. Yes. Yeah. You're so good about unpacking and diving a little deeper on it. And, and it's all emotion driven. Yes. And that emotion like taints everything. And then it, it just creates stuff. So some of, some of my things, um, Seth Godin came out with a new one called The Song of Significance, and it's mm-hmm. a short mini read, but in it, he kind of goes to what are the questions that we're asking? And he quotes that honey is the byproduct of a healthy hive. Mm-hmm. And you don't stop to think about like good work is the result of a healthy culture. Me feeling good about myself is the result of doing things that produce 
great honey, but it's a part of, of taking care of me, the healthy hive, in order to produce those things. But we focus on the outcome and not the process sometimes. And so his thing is throwing questions out there that are worth asking that put us into a different frame of mind. Like we're supposed to be open-minded, but how do we do that? And questions are one of the things that actually shift our brain. And as we learned in Judith Glacier, when you ask open-ended questions that don't have answers, I'm actually going to sit and listen to you because I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. But if I ask something that I've already got calculated the, the result in my head, like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm processing those. And so it's taking the time to ask more questions, even about the work that we're doing mm-hmm. and the significance of the work that we're doing that are important. You know, like a new project comes along. What are the risks? Um, what am I afraid of in this? And mm-hmm. openly stating, hey, this is a concern that I have. But no, we don't. We typically don't. And so then those fears mount. And every time we see something that adds to that fear factor, it grows, right? Mm-hmm. But if we expressed it and someone else goes, oh, well, that's not going to be a problem. We we squash it right out of the beginning. Mm-hmm. But instead, we keep, we hide. Peter Block has the best one that I like to use. And, and when I do the trainings, it's it's asking people, what is the fear or concern that you don't feel comfortable expressing. Oh, good one. (laughs) (laughs) Now you put that on a sticky note in the middle of a group and have people put that up there. The concern that you don't feel comfortable expressing. Fear or concern. And and that's a great exercise in general to, to when you're going into a meeting or you just came out of a meeting and you found out or you heard some news that everybody's going... And you're sitting there going, ooh, wait a minute. I'm not quite sure about that one there. But you can't express it because of this idea of positive, um, toxic positivity. Positivity. Yeah, that's the difference. Any critical, yeah, any critical, and I don't mean critical in the negative, but from an analysis, divergent or convergent thinking point of view is seen as you're just being negative. You're a naysayer. You're not supportive. When sometimes those questions are those deep questions you just talked about of, I need to understand more of what you're talking about. So how would this happen? What would this look like? What are you actually talking about? Why do you see it as something that's a good thing for all of us? When I used to teach small group communication, Mm -hmm. I would tell the students in the class at the beginning, the group in here or the team in here that has to overcome the greatest obstacles will be the closest group at the end and will learn the most about group communication. And they all looked at me like, what? That can't be. Notoriously, I would have the team who somebody in the group got sick and was in the hospital. And now they've got to cover for this other person and figure out how to work through this. Had one person literally disappear, not say anything. And apparently the parents were in an accident and finally came back two weeks later. But because they had to pull together Mm-hmm. to overcome something mm-hmm. and communicate at that deeper level. When they got up to share at the end of what they learned about group communication and how they learned to come together, the other teams were like jealous of them because they, they had that something that caused them to pull together. Yeah. They had to pull together. They had to, but that that's the case though, because in the class I'm teaching them how to work through those things. So they open up, they communicate about them mm-hmm. instead of just being closed off. And the other thing that was interesting too is that we talk about toxic positivity and and leaders today. There's a, a quote in here where 
you think about leaders like I've got to be positive. Like this is, you know, how do I get them to do this thing? Because I need them to get to do this. So I'm going to talk positive. I'm going to get them to do this thing. And the reality is it's not about that. And it's not about a leader being able to do anything that directly impacts others. It's about creating the conditions for other people to do the work that matters. And the leader has to let go, but to create that space. And I think last time we got together, we were talking about the brave spaces versus just yeah. psychological safety. How do we create that form so that we connect? And the reality is we have to start creating some of that for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and that means how do I take a small step towards showing my own humanity, which includes my strengths as well as those things that I don't do as well, or those things I don't know much about when we can separate in our minds the role of being a leader from the person that occupies that job, I think that's the beginning of when we get to to be not just vulnerable, but we also increase connection. We begin to create those conditions where things matter and they really do matter. The most important things matter. You know, we talked a lot about the toxic positivity issues Going going it forward, I, there's a couple of things that hit me. When I was listening to a, um, I was on a webinar about neuroscience of happiness and whatnot. And one of the things that the presenter said was that 17, they now know from a number of research studies over the last 10 years that only 17% or seven, only 17% of people will actually change their mind over time. In the face of death, you know, if you don't change your health routine, if you don't, you know, learn something, go back to school and learn something, you get good news, bad news. It doesn't really matter. Only about 17% of people will actually change their mind. And I wondered when I heard that, how much of it is reared in this idea of toxic positivity of I have to hide everything. I can't ask for help. You know, I, I can't struggle through and feel like I'm failing because that's what happens when you're in the middle of changing. I have to constantly do it. And if I can't do that, it's a lot easier for me to kind of go back to where I was because I get reinforced with that. The opposite of integrity is dissonance. And I think we're dealing with a lot of dissonance today where we don't mm. feel good. Like it's that kind of awful feeling like I'm not accomplishing what I should or I'm not in the space that I should be. I'm not where I thought I would be. We've had these expectations that we haven't been meeting about ourselves or about whatever's happening. And instead of facing that, as you talked about, like actually sitting down at the end of the year and going, what worked, what didn't work and facing that and going, I'm okay with discovering things that I didn't do right, because now I'm going to figure out something else to do. We hide out. We, we numb ourselves. We go and we watch Yellowstone because it's back out again. We sit down and we watch, you know, some kind of show or we find something else to preoccupy our time. Maybe we eat too much. Maybe we like when you start looking at dissonance, we can either, as you said, change our mind, which most mm -hmm. people don't, or we change the activity. Mm -hmm. And so people, instead of facing stuff, don't put positive habits into place to learn to deal with those. Like, taking the time to write out in a journal, taking the time to reflect. Mm -hmm. And in the book, Happiness Advantage, Sean Acor starts bringing in what are just the little, you know, and then there was the Atomic Habit by James Clear. 
what are the little things that we do? Not the big things. And that's what we think like, we got to do this big shift and this is what's going to create it. You know, we're getting ready on New Year's resolutions and I'm going to do this and we're going to have this big something. And it's not, it's, it's the little things here or the little things that we can shift in what we do on a regular basis that start making a significant difference. Like I told you in that, that state where I was like, oh man, I can just tell him. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go just do this one little thing for my friend. It wasn't a big thing. It was a little thing, but that created such a ripple. And I know in coaching people right now, when I, I, cause we, you know, we both work with assessments and we can see that picture they have of their future direction. I have so many people now that I look at it and I just go, when was the last time that you did something for you? Yeah. That you actually just did something that was, I'm not talking significant. It's not like going out and buying a big item. It's just, you know, where have you taken that time in the day of the week? that you just go, that that's for me. And it's not the narcissistic thing of what's oh, about me. It's just like social snacking. Like when was the last time you called your best friend and just had a great conversation? Simple. Mm-hmm. But I find a lot of people have such this perfectionistic, again, closed off, like this is the ideal of what I need to be that, oh, I don't have time for that. Or no, I, I can't mm-hmm. do that. And yet it's mm-hmm. those little things that make the big difference over time. One of the exercises I um, have my clients do is I I told them to go and look in the mirror and, and admire themselves. What is it that you like about yourself? It could just be one thing. It could be your eyes. It could be the smile you have. It could be the way your heart sings. Because I think part of it is, is in this idea of I'm not good enough we keep telling ourselves or we keep wanting to achieve something that is going to prove us to be good enough when we have to begin to understand that I'm already good enough. I may make mistakes, but I am already valuable. And to be able to not just write it down, because I I found when I asked them to write it down, it was a lot easier for them to write it down than when I said, look in the mirror and tell yourself that look in the mirror and say something that you admire about yourself and, and stand there and, and just notice how you feel when it comes out your mouth, when it's in your head, when you're thinking about those things, but to be able to see your eyes light up, to be able to see the, your cheeks make that curl into a smile to feel your heart, to feel that embarrassment, that blush of embarrassment that comes over you when you actually say something nice about yourself to yourself. To think in that moment, I've got it covered. I'm good enough. It's a very powerful exercise. I have another one to add to that. So in the heat of COVID, I have a friend in California and he's actually written a book called Act from Choice. And it's it's wonderful. It's that, mm-hmm. again, getting into that whole brain part of stuff and what really makes a difference. And he's a trained Buddhist monk. And, and I was sharing with stuff. And he goes, oh, he said, Pam, you're really missing empathy right now. And I said, what? Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, you, you really don't have enough empathy in your world. He said, but here's the kicker. You can give it to yourself. Compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Compassion. And so he said, I want you to do this this week, every night when you go to bed. And I'm like, what? And he goes, when you go to bed, give yourself a big hug and out loud in your voice, say, Pam, I love you. 
And I'm like, that just sounds crazy. And he goes, I don't Mm. care how crazy it is. Do it. Because you don't tell yourself in your own head enough with your own words and your own voice that you're okay. And I was like, hmm. So I did. And it is, that's one of those many micro things that makes a significant shift in the brain. It's like on the the negative side is to go, I'm an angry person. On the positive side is to say, I'm a happy person. I'm a lovable person, right? I am this positivity. Like you're saying, like, say everything pop. We don't do that. It's like people go, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is like, okay, write it out first, then read it. (laughs) Take baby steps. Yes. Yes. And if you have time, yeah, you know, this, it's very one, powerful. This is one thing that really helped me at one point. I told my husband, look, I want you to write down 10 things that you really like about me. Significant things, not just that my hair is blonde or I'm I'm fit. Like, no, significant things about who I am as a person. And I did the same for him. And during our hardest time, I kept it. See, just left it right by my computer. Those simple things. And that's what I loved about a happiness advantage book was it just talks about those little micro habit things. Like you said, look in the mirror in the morning where we can add something each day and even change it up. So it's not always the same thing that brings that focus back and that positivity back to who we are. And so it's that ability to look through and go, well, I might not do 60% of these things, but if I can incorporate even 5%, because it sounds realistic for me, I'm going to make a 5% shift. Right. Yeah. 1% every day at the end of the year, you'll be 38% better than you were when the, at the beginning of the year. Well, unfortunately, we're at the top of the hour, but I'm I'm going to say this. Um, the holidays are coming up and we're all going to be struggling around, running around. The retail is going to hate me for this um, in terms of find, trying to find the perfect gift out there. <laughs> I love your idea of to the person that means the most. So kids, you write a note to your parents of the five things that you love most about your parents. Friends, pick your friend and just put on a card the five things that you love about that person, that you admire about them, that brings you joy about them. And instead of running around trying to find that perfect gift that you've got to figure out off of Amazon, get it shipped someplace, put your picture on it. And send it to that person and say, this is the best gift I can give you is to let you know that you make me happy and that I appreciate you. And with that, I appreciate every last one of you. And I hope you show me a little bit of love by uh, clicking that you like this podcast or subscribing so that you don't miss any of the podcasts that we have. We drop every Thursday. There's a new one. And every month, my good friend and person that I admire the most, Pamela Brooks Richards. Thank you so much for being in my life. Thank you, Denise. It was a wonderful morning. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. 
as I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.